excited. I'd like to welcome you all out to uh, our podcast here, The Domesticated Savages. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jake. I've been a police officer for 15 years. I work in a major metropolitan area. I've got a couple of my cohorts who work with me at my department. I've got Jeremy. Say hi, Jeremy. Bing bong. What's up, Jeremy? That's me. That's Jeremy. And I've got I just John. Did a, I just did a bing bong. You can go by John or you can go by Fitz, homie. Fitz. Go Fitz. Go by Hit, Fitz. All right. So I've got, I've got Jeremy and I've got Fitz here. So we here at the Domesticated Savages, are, uh, our main goal and our appointment right here is to bring you guys, the listeners and the viewers, um, our stories from our careers. Uh, you know, being police officers, something that we get a lot uh me personally, whenever I meet somebody, especially for the first time, they always ask me, hey, so you're a cop, dude. I want to hear some crazy stories or some cool cop stories. I hear that quite a bit. So I had an epiphany one day. I just woke up in the morning and I thought to myself, man, I've got a lot of experience. I've got a lot of cool freaking stories. And I, I tend to tell my stories quite a bit to a lot of a lot of different people who I made contact with. And I thought to myself, man, why don't I put this out here for more, more people to listen to? And I came up with the idea of this podcast and my wife and I are actually on a vacation one day. And as we we're driving around, it was up in a pretty sweet little town. Um, anyway, we were on this vacation and I thought at work, they ask us to be so professional and to always, you know, mind our manners and be dignified on all these calls until it requires us to whoop some ass. And at the point in time where they want us to really take action, then we they want us to be that savage. So I was saying to her, I was like, man, it's like they want us to be these domesticated savages, these these savages that are just able to like turn it on and turn it off. And I said domesticated savages, and my wife was like, that is that's kind of cool. I really like that domesticated savages. And I thought, yeah, that is cool. Write that down. So, um, that's kind Write of that down woman. Yeah. That's kind of like where this uh, whole thought process came from. So with the domesticated savages, like Jeremy was saying, as we're getting ready to, to cast this out there, he was saying, this is kind of like our ethos. So I kind of introduced myself, Jake, you know, caught 15 years. Um, a lot of stories. I'm giving my buddies a little bit of time here to introduce themselves and kind of tell what they're about. Jeremy, you go ahead, bud. Yeah, <clears throat> Jeremy, and uh, I've been in alcohol. I mean, this is not the, sorry, wrong meeting. Um, <laughs> You're freaking <laughs> a meeting. <clears throat> no, wrong meeting. So I've been a cop for I think thirteen years, almost fourteen, bro. Almost fourteen. Uh, again, major metropolitan area, and uh, when Jake told me about this idea, it it sounded like an idea I had. He probably stole it from me, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. But it sounded like something I, I, I'll have to check my notes in my journal, but I'm pretty sure I had it first. Now, when, when Jake came to me and was like, this is the idea, I thought, that is, that is a perfect way to describe how the department treats us. And it's kind of like that, where that, where that caged attack dog and they want to keep you in line until they don't want you to be in line. Um, and so he laid out the idea and, and, uh, I've got some stories. And so he said, Hey, let's, uh, 
let's let's do it and i was all in so that but uh, yeah 13 years um i've worked with jake and fitz for a majority of those years so when uh, he he rounded up this this posse this trio and you know me i love posse i'm a i'm a i'm all about a posse uh, and so when he rounded it up and he was like, Hey, I was like, sign me up. Fitz, you go ahead, bud. So I'm Fitz. I've been, uh, I've been a cop with our agency for, it'll be eight years coming up in January. Um, then I've got three years as a corrections officer in our state, uh, prison system for three. Um, so kind of a little bit of a mix of stories between those two. And then I have eight years in the Marine Corps infantry reserves, um, with the combat deployment in 09. So kind of a little bit of a different array of, of stories and experiences, but what about, what about your dispatch time, bro? <laughs> yes. I was a dispatcher for about six years, uh, for Don't one of our, that. Come on. For, for one of our larger, um, collaborative agencies out here in the County, um, which was actually quite a bit of fun. I, I like it. So. I <clears throat> I want to point out one thing. Um, if if you hear some errant sounds from time to time, we're still trying to work this shit out. We are coming live from Jake's mom's basement. <laughs> okay, we're in basement bandits here, so don't. I mean, go easy on us, guys. Calm down, okay? Give us, give me a break. This is. Day one stuff, okay? So cops, we're not rocket scientists. Bear, hold on. Strange, Let, strange uh, enough, Jake's neighbor here is a rocket scientist. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So at this point in time, uh, the theme of this this uh, this podcast, this episode, is going to be. I thought, you know, I was talking to my wife, and she says, "Hey, why don't y'all?" Kind of start your first podcast off with maybe some rookie stories. So kind of a intro, this is the intro podcast, intro into your life as a police officer. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. I mean, they were similar ideas, right? Yeah. First podcast, it's our rookie podcast. We're a bunch of rooks on this stuff. So we're going to make some mistakes. It might not be the most sexy thing to your ear holes right this moment. Hopefully as we go on, it'll get better. But uh, you know, this is this is our first podcast. So right now I'm gonna I'm gonna say, do you do you guys have stories you want to tell? Do you have anything you want to tell? I've got a story that's about Fitz's rookie. <laughs> I was just gonna ask episodes. if we were gonna go with that one or not. And I might I might go with that one. Yeah. But that's your story. I don't want to tell it. No, you I'll, I'll you, chime in. You tell it way better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll chime in on your story. But um I don't know, Jeremy. Do you have? A, I've got some stories. I've, but I've, I've, oh, I've got. Story. I've got some stories. Okay. Um, do you want to tell a story, a rook story? So, <clears throat> a, a lot of. I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not. A, I'm not a big traffic. I don't. I don't. I'm not a big traffic pull people over. But one of us is. But when you first start out, I mean, that's kind of your bread and butter, is is doing like, because when you know when I was I was uh, first on. I'm not looking to give somebody a ticket, but I'm looking for dope. I'm looking for guns. I'm looking for people with warrants, uh, kind of doing some stuff. So I'm working in a fairly well-known uh, crime area, and it's late at night. And it's downtown, west side, where is that? 
It's on the west side of the city. Okay, okay. The southern because, west side. You know, I have... I don't want to go through and, you know, name streets and right. names and areas because, you know, we are currently police officers and I don't want my administration to be upset at anything we say. So I'm going to kind of keep some of that info out. We'll try to give you as many details as we can without getting too detailed so we can not get pulled off the air. Right. So go ahead. So, yeah, it's in, in this major city. It's on the west side of town, uh, the southern west side. And uh, you quickly kind of learn that. People doing, I'm going to say, hood rat shit, like their cars, I mean, it's there's no one standard. What's hood rat shit? Just for our so hood rat listeners shit, that might not know what that is. Let's say, let's say hood rat shit is you're going to buy some dope or you're going to, you're going to do, uh, you know, rob a 7-Eleven. You're going to go steal some stuff from a store. You're going to go steal some stuff from somebody walking down the street. Just... Just doing some shit that you probably shouldn't be doing. All right. That makes sense. Um, and so I see this minivan and everyone's like, minivan. And like, no, that's kind of, you quickly learn that people can do untoward shit in a minivan as well. It's good cover, bro. It's good. And it's, it carries a lot of product. So I'm wasn't, s- wasn't that clown that just ran over a bunch of people in that Christmas parade driving a minivan? Was that what he was driving? I don't know. Probably. I mean, the, the one in, I think it was like Wisconsin. You've got some weight behind it. You've got some room. And some of those vans, they've got, they got a little giddy up in them. I wouldn't be surprised. So anyways, I see this van and it's just, you know, not stopping at stop sign, just zipping all over the show. And I'm thinking this has got to be golden. So I catch up to it. I light it up and I'm feeling like, you know, you're new and you start to feel that adrenaline rush. You know, your, your balls tingling, balls bit. tingling, testicular cancer. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably from WMDs in here. They couldn't find them in Iraq. They're in right here. <laughs> They're in this city right here. And so I walk up, and, you know, you got to get your cop face on. <laughs> and there's this little mom in a, in a nightgown in a robe and looking – like she just left a charity bake sale except for being in a robe. And I roll down, she rolls down the window. And I'm like, hey, you're driving kind of erratically. It's why I stopped you. And she goes, uh, yeah, my colostomy bag just broke and I'm headed home. And I'm like, see ya. I didn't ask for anything. So for those listening, if you want to have a throw down colostomy bag to get out of a ticket, probably a good idea. Cause I didn't, I was like, nope, go get out. So she said that she's like, my colostomy bag just broke and I'm going home. And I'm like, see ya. Good luck. Did you make that sound effect? I, as well? I did that. I was, I was like, drive 150. You're only going like 120, kick it up to 150 and get out. Get your ass home go. now. Because your ass is in a bag. Go. Should have given her just and a, a police dis- escort. Well, disclaimer, if you do have a colostomy, this is no way like demeaning to you. You know, I know there's medical conditions. Let that be my disclaimer. I'm not trying to bag on, I'm not trying to bag on anybody with a colostomy bag. But he's already alienating like half of our listeners. <laughs> but I'm just saying, that was the excuse. And after she took off, I was like, I'm not gonna check. Like, who's gonna check? Be like, prove it. Let me see the shit, lady. Who's gonna? Who's gonna? I'm not. And so I was like, no, that was. If she if she was lying to me, good on her. She won. She won the day. That's yeah. a pretty good. That's a pretty good one. Is, like are we it. are we limited to one story? You can tell multiple. Okay. You want to take turns? You want to go again? I don't care how we do it. 
you uh, so an, another uh, interesting thing is is the work dynamic because as a new police officer you start working and obviously there's going to be you know maybe some police officers who got hired along with you who are newer but there's also going to be the dude who's been doing patrol work for 35 years that you're working with and he has been a cop longer than you have been on this earth uh he was a cop long before you were an itch in your daddy's pants and that's a fact and so you have to like have this working relationship with a multitude of uh, different officers with different experiences. And sometimes you have to go back the grumpy ass dude on a domestic. And so this was like one of my first experiences backing, uh, a seasoned, a seasoned heavily saltily seasoned officer in, in patrol. Mostly I just backed other guys, my, with my same experience level. And so we get we get called to a domestic in a in a very well known um, neighborhood uh, apartment complex, and so um, we get there, and I just by happenstance happen to speak multiple languages, um, and so I'm backing this officer. He goes and he starts talking to this family, trying to figure out what is going on. Well, they do not speak English. Their primary language is Spanish, which happens to be one of the languages I speak. I'm, I'm talented. You're a linguist. And so um, he starts rattling off all these questions, and they are responding in Spanish to him. I understand everything. He understands nothing because he does not speak anything but English. And he's kind of like just going on. And I know he doesn't know what they're saying. But he's just kind of like continuing on his way. Like they could be telling him the recipe to cure cancer and he has no, he's just going on. And I, I honestly, I, I liked, I had really no experience working this guy. I ended up, I mean, he was a, he was a nice guy. Always nice, got along, got along with fine. But I, in my mind, I'm thinking, Hey, teamwork makes the dream work, buddy. Let me translate what's going on. Does he know you speak Spanish though? He's about to. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if he knew. Um, I think maybe I said like I can. I, no, I don't. Th- I, I, I not. I didn't say anything. And so I'm thinking like I can. Like I, I'm kind of excited because like I can show this seasoned officer I'm actually worth something. Like I can be an asset. I can help out. So I start talking to the family and kind of translating what he had been saying, trying to figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden, Chuck is like. Ah! And he starts yelling and I'm looking at the family, like translating, yelling for Chuck. But it, it, when, and so for those who don't speak multiple languages, sometimes your brain takes a minute to catch up. It took me a minute to realize he's yelling at me, not the family. He's, he's yelling at me. And he says, Hey, when I'm on the call on the initial, I do the talking, you do the shooting. And I'm like, and I'm translating what's going on. And then it takes me like, Oh no, no, no. He's talking about me. I need to shut up here. And so I zip, I zip my little mouth and that was it. And I don't know, like, nothing. I mean, it was, it was what it was and it, it got uh, handled the way it was going to get handled. But so don't, don't assume. And so I was just in translate mode, but that was, 
That was one of my first intros into working with a seasoned salty dude. Yeah, he was seasoned and salty, that's for sure. Um, the story I'm going to tell, uh, kind of, you know, when it's funny because I've handled, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of calls, uh, and I don't remember freaking anything hardly, you know, but it's funny because when you guys start telling stories, it makes me think of stories as well, which is another reason why I wanted to do this because it's going to help me remember some of our stories and we can, you know, kind of record some of our stories and, when I'm old and decrepit here in a couple of years, I'll maybe be, you know be able to remember some of these stories that I've experienced. Something I wish I would have done is keep a journal or something like that. So maybe this can kind of catch us up and maybe remember some of those things. So when Jeremy's telling the story of the of the old lady, it made me think of a time when I was working also on the west side, in that southwest side area, the same area you were talking about. I was heading down one of the main avs right across one of the, the big avenues. And and uh, as I'm out there, you know, it's it's graveyard shift, so it's night shift. You know, graveyard shifts from like you know, 9 at night till 7 in the morning. You know, that's why they call it the graveyard shift. Just for you peeps out there that don't know. So I'm working. I'm a new guy, so I'm looking for anything and everything that's moving. I'm looking for a reason to stop people. I want to find the bad guys. I want to find the guns. I want to find those murders, you know. So... Uh, as I'm tooling along, patrolling, um, I see this vehicle come flying across red and, and it's, it's, it's blowing through lights, dude. And I'm like, Oh crap, this is a good one. This is gonna be like a stolen vehicle. There's gonna be some guns in this thing. So I hop on behind him and I throw my lights and siren on. And this guy is just like tooling, dude, blowing through stop signs and stuff. And we have policies at state. We can't really so and uh i'm probably like right at the cusp of like being <laughs> out of policy maybe pursuing this guy too far and that, and that's just for the general safety of the public unless yeah. it's for something like crazy we're yeah. not gonna chase you if it's there. not if it's not aggravated offense which means if they haven't you know used a weapon or you know caused some sort of like mass harm on somebody then we really can't pursue them so anyway uh i'm like right at the cusp you know who knows whatever i'm right there but all of a sudden the dude stops. The dude stop like pulls, just stops in the middle of the road. And for you guys, uh, my buddies here, you're trying to stop somebody. If they stop abruptly in the middle of the road, are your red flags going up? Yeah, red flags are going up. I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, this guy's gonna come out wheeling and dealing. I'm thinking he's gonna come out like hot, Le- right? Lead slingers. Yeah, so I'm thinking he's gonna be, th- you know, throwing some lead downrange. So. I stop abruptly and I'm trying to get out of my car, you know, take the seatbelt off, get out of my car quickly. And as I'm stopped, I'm getting out of my car. I see his door fly open as well. And I'm thinking, holy shit. I mean, at this point in time, I've been on the streets maybe a year and I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting into a shooting. I'm thinking that like, you know, that's what we train all the scenarios. So I'm going to get in a freaking shooting right now. So I jump out of my car. I draw, you know, I, I clear leather. I pull my gun out. I point it down to this mother, this dude sitting, you know, jumping out the car, and and he jumps out and he's got a black, like something black in his hand, and he turns toward me. I'm freaking pulling the slack out of my trigger. I'm re- about ready to dump this, and I'm screaming out, "Put the gun down! Drop the gun!" As I'm pulling on the trigger, and at the last moment, like you guys may have experienced this, but I've got like tunnel vision, big time, and I'm super fixated on that thing that's in his hand. And at the last moment in time, right before my gun goes bang, 
Anybody who's shot a gun before, you understand that there's a little bit of slack in your trigger and you're taking that up, taking that up, and then it comes to a crisp point and it, boom, goes bang, right? I'm at that point, that wall, and I'm pulling on that wall and I identify at the last moment in time that is nothing but a CD case in his hand. He's got a freaking CD case. For all of you young bucks out there, that's something. What's a CD? (laughs) It's a circular (laughs) disc that holds music, obviously. So it's a CD case and I'm like... I take a breath and I step out from my car around the door and I'm still like, you know, I'm still on gun cause my freaking adrenaline is pumping. My ears are like banging, dude. I'm breathing heavy. I'm about ready to shoot this guy. And now I'm like kind of coming down a little bit. I'm going to drop the CD case, drop the CD case. And, and he drops it and I come up to him and I holster and I grab him and I turn him around and I Terry frisk him real quick, you know, to make sure he doesn't have any weapons on him. And I look at the dude and I say, do you realize I almost shot you? I almost shot you right now. Do you realize that? And he's this Asian dude, right? He looks at me. He says, oh, like uh, like they show a uh, bad boys, like a bad boys. And I'm like, <laughs> like cops, right? And I'm like, yeah, like bad boys, bro. I almost shot you like bad boys. And he's like, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you for not shooting me. I'm like, yeah, dude. I said, why in the hell were you driving like that? He says, I was lost. You know, he's like, I was lost. I didn't know where I was. Uh, I'm trying to find out where my girlfriend is. And I was trying to, you know, this before GPSs and stuff like that. So he's like tooling around on the west side in the middle of the freaking night trying to find out where his girlfriend is. The dude didn't have anything, no criminal history or nothing like that. I mean, I would have been justified in shooting this guy. You almost... Driving as erratic as he was, jumping, stopping in the middle of the street, jumping out with a CD case in his hand, I almost smoked him. It was so close. So, and by the grace of God, he did not get. My perfect. question is, what what's going on in his mind? Because he's flying around, and obviously he has to know like red light, stop sign, bye bye, it's gone. And he sees you, and he's like, I'll stop in the middle of the road. And he's like, in this encounter, the one thing I need with me is the Backstreet Boys. Yes. Let me grab, and he. Like, I, well, I got to know if the CD case was like, I don't know, like, this is my encounter with the police. I need, I need 98 degrees with me. Let's go. I honestly don't know. And I could not, there's too much of a language barrier there for me to understand oh. and to fully communicate with him. Like, why did you come out with the CD, CDs in your hand? Yeah. It was really broken English. And that's, you know, I speak multiple languages, but whatever the ease, what you know, the broth. What language do you speak? The English and bad English. <laughs> <laughs> and I speak... Spanish. What? I didn't know you spoke Spanish. You really did not know I speak yeah. Spanish. You've worked with me for like 10 years. You don't know that I speak Spanish. Well, I do now. And I speak some Mayan as well. Oh, shoot. You know what? I lied. You have come out and you've actually... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I translated I for you, bro. Um. So, yeah. Uh, this guy, like I said, he almost got perforated. And for some reason, he didn't, you know. And that's happened... <laughs> That's happened more than one occasion where I've like almost shot somebody. Obviously, we've I'm sure we've all had those kinds of experiences. But that was uh, you know a new guy. That was you know I pulled my gun on people. Obviously, I pulled my gun on people hundreds, thousands of times. Uh, and that was at that point in time was one of the closest that I'd come to shooting somebody. And granted, you know in hindsight you look at it like oh that would not have been you know, like oh you'd have been like there's a CD case. But in the moment, in the moment yeah. with the totality, the dude fleeing, stopping in the middle of the road, jumping out of his car, having a black thing in his hand, raising it up, I would have been totally justified in shooting that guy. Luckily enough for him and for me, uh, you know, I was able to identify that that was not, uh, you know, a weapon. 
And you got to remember, it's like middle of the night. It's dark as hell where we were. And it's just black in his hand. And a lot of times. And it's hard because, like you said, it's obscure. Yeah. And you can't wait till he starts shooting at you. Be like, hey, that's a gun. Dude, distance. You know, distance was like 30, 35 feet in the middle of the night. You can't tell what the hell that is. No. So I just, it's lucky that I did not shoot him, you know? So All that's right. pretty crazy. Anyway. Fitz. Fitzy boy. Later on. Go with the dingling guy. You want to, like, honestly, bro, like, that's a fun story. We can totally <laughs> tell that story. Uh, it's a, I like that one. I like the fact that I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me crash and burn. Uh, yeah. All right. So, Sometimes you got to learn from hard experiences. <clears throat> so I'm fresh off of FTO. FTO is our field training. Um, once you get out of the academy, you get connected or you get, uh, you get attached to a field training officer. And that field training officer is... That field training officer is responsible for training you and kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? So you learn all this stuff in the academy, and now you've got to go out into the field and you've got to apply all this stuff. So your field training officer is, is responsible for getting all that stuff to come together. So I'm done with it. I think it's something like 18 weeks. Um, graduate completely on my own. I'm probably only out on my own for a couple weeks. Um, and I run into Jake, who has... Um, he's got his own recruit. And so we go out on, uh, uh, it, it came in as a trespassing. It's like a little fourplex and the owner didn't like one of the guests that was in another, um, apartment unit and wanted the guy removed. So me trying to, trying to be a little, uh, confident in front of this FTO and his, his officer in training. So we go up there and we make contact. So I'm you're, a big you're, boy. You're going to an apartment where somebody who pays rent in that, that apartment has invited. Yeah. So he's a got a friend. guest there. Yeah. And okay. the, the, the manager that, or the, the person that owns the, the fourplex doesn't like that dude. I guess he causes problems all the time. Okay. So he wanted the dude removed. He doesn't like the guest. Yeah. So we go up there, we talk to the manager real quick and then go, go knock on the door. Um, manager says what i want you guys to kick this guy out i don't yeah. want this guy on the property yeah he wants him he out needs there. to be gone yeah. so me as a field training officer i'm just standing back i'm letting my recruit and i'm letting fitz handle the call i'm just observing just letting us crash and burn <laughs> well, go ahead so so we go to the we go to the little the little unit knock on the door lo and behold the guest that is unwanted by the manager or owner whatever he is um, answers the door and he is completely buck ass naked. Everything naked fully explored. He yeah. was naked as the day he was yep. born. A little his full peen. Full full nudity. Full peen. Yep. Peen is just swinging his in the wing wind. Wang is just swinging. Dude. Yep. And so I ask him what his name is, and he he tells me his name, which en- ends up being the guy that we're um, supposed to be kicking out, supposedly. So I'm talking to him, explaining why we're there, um, letting him know that you know he's got to go because he's not wanted there not fully thinking so in in our state you have to as a as a renter you can have guests in your property right so even if the owner doesn't want them there you still have rights as a renter owner leaser uh, lessee whatever um completely went right over my head and i just wanted to get this dude out of here and so i'm i'm telling i'm talking to this guy telling him he's got to go and the dude is a transient. He's a homeless dude, and he's probably a little. He has probably a little bit of a, a mental illness going on, or he's probably not fully all there. And the dude's kind of being a dick, 
And so I kind of start getting fed up with him. And the dude has a, a cigarette lit in this apartment. I, I tell him that he can't smoke inside the apartment. And he looks at me and he asks me why. And I, I tell him, haven't you heard of the the indoor clean air act? You can't smoke inside a building. Well, again, me not thinking fully, he's in an apartment where he can do. He's in a private residence. The, can... the indoor clean air act does not apply to private residences. But but Fitz, being, being a new guy and just thinking of ways that he can get this guy to stop doing what he's doing, because the guy's acting extremely erratic. He's acting extremely erratic. He's probably high on drugs as well, and he's just bouncing off the walls and kind of like talking extremely fast and not being compliant whatsoever. And I can tell Fitz is his his care like he's just like done. He's like, dude. Get the hell out of this apartment complex. You need to leave right now. Also, haven't you heard of the Indoor Clean Air Act? You can't smoke in here. You can't smoke inside. And the guy's like, oh, I, I can't? And Fitz is like, yeah, dude, you can't smoke in here. The guy's like, oh, my bad. And puts a cigarette out, dude. Well, puts a best, cigarette out. The best part about it is in the main room behind them, I don't think you could see from where you were at behind us, but the two other guys, the, the dude that rents there and one of his other friends, they were all smoking. So as soon as I said that, both of them put their cigarettes out. <laughs> oh, shit, my bad. I can't smoke in here. Sorry. <laughs> He's he's cleaning up. Oh he's my god! They can thank you for not getting lung cancer. Yeah, I'm Thanks, just Fitz. out there, you know, doing doing the work, trying Sa- to save people's saving lives. lives. Yeah. Oh man. My thought is, um, <laughs> first of all, what a bad guest. You invite me to your house. I'm like, hey, bro, thanks for letting me hang out. Uh, I'm gonna release my balls now. <laughs> I'm gonna go naked. You homies chill on the couch. Let me just let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna peen out though. That is no no clothes, not a shirt, not underwear, nothing. Not on. He, he didn't even he have socks naked. on. No, he was naked as a danger. A belt, bro. nothing. No. <laughs> not a stitch of clothing not on his body. Dude. What a that's rude. Yeah, that's rudeness in my. Maybe they asked him to. And he had no care at all. Like he answered the door fully naked, and he didn't like crack the door open. He opened he the door wide open, completely wide open. Yeah. So anyway, so dude, dude gets all the stuff and ends up leaving, and then. Uh, Usually at the end of calls when you're in training, your FTO will kind of break down what you did, how you did it, um, how it could be better, different things like that. So so we walk out to the street, right? We walk out to the street. We like escort this guy. And, like He throws on clothes, grabs his shit, and we walk him out like, hey, get the freak out of here, dude. You're not welcome. Get out of here. Don't come back. You're trespassed, right? That's what they tell this guy. So we walk back over to the cars and... And uh, I look at I look at Fitz and my rook, and I'm like, "Hey guys, so uh, how'd you feel like that went? How'd you feel like that call went?" And both Fitz and my rook are like, "Yeah." Were, were you still confident at that time? You're like, "Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh I was, he was confident. so I was like, oh, yeah. confident." He was Fucking so got confident. him. No, <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, guys, how do you think that went?" They're like, "Yeah, man, that was, that was. I think we handled it really well. I think we, we, you know, solved the problem, got the guy out of here, and you know, we didn't have to use really any force. You know, he obeyed us. I think we went really well." And I was like, all right, boys, you know, so uh, first of all, where are we? Well, we're we're in an apartment complex. Uh-huh. Private residence, right? So who can say if the guy can or can't be here? Can wait, apartment wait. management say this guy can't be here? When did it dawn on you as as Jake is like explaining and talking? When did it dawn on you? You're like, oh, shit, he's got rights. Soon, <laughs> soon as he brought up the fact that we were in a private residence. <laughs> 
because I was still thinking of it as a business. Right. Right? Because he's renting the property. Right. Did not even compute in my Asian brain that this is a private residence, not a commercial business. Did not even compute until he asked that. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I said, okay, cool. So first of all, we violated that guy's rights. He could totally be here if he's been invited by a guy, by the by the apartment owner. Right? And we didn't renter. even check with the renter to see if no, he wanted no, them there. The renter's like, yo, I think they were scared. I think they were like, oh, shit, the cops are here. We don't want them to find out what we're doing. So they're probably happy to see that guy go. Maybe we did them a favor. I don't know. Maybe. But we bounced him. And then I said, also, on top of violating his rights in regards to uh, kicking him out of a residence where he not necessarily could be kicked out of, what about the <laughs> clean indoor <laughs> clean air act? So where does that apply? Where does that apply? And Fitz looks at me with the sheepish look on his face like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not in residences. <laughs> I was like, yeah, bro. You can't tell the guy he can't smoke inside of a residence. If they want him to smoke in there, you can smoke it all up, dude. Oh. And uh, it was it was kind of a funny little learning experience that we talk about that from time to time. So uh, do you ever tell your rooks when you're you're an FTO Hell now? Hell no. You ever tell your rooks As that, far as that they're experience? concerned, I am God himself reincarnate as a cop. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So... A uh, couple stories. Those are some stories right there. I like those stories. Those are fun stories. Um, some other stories. Can you think of anything else you, off the top you, of your brain? You mentioned, uh, so, when, you know, when you become a cop, they give you all the tools and, and the main one's a gun. And I think I, I think it's a fair statement to say that most cops uh, like guns. Sure. I don't think I've ever met a cop who's like. Well, a couple of them don't really know what the hell they're doing with them. That's true. That's that's true. But they still like them. Yeah. And so mostly, mostly I'd say you're right. But it's one of those tools. Like when you have it, you know, like this is not this is not piddlywinks anymore. Mm. We're playing for blood because I mean that's what. And so. Okay, Val. <laughs> Kilmer. <Val> Kilmer. <laughs> I'm your huckleberry. And so I remember very vividly one of the first times I had to like draw my weapon and point it at somebody and the pucker factor goes to 10 real quick. And it was, there was, uh, the West side of town, Northern side of the West side of town. Uh, this lady was just kind of nuttier than squirrel shit. And she was just a problem. Like she would just bebop around the neighborhood all hours of the night, causing problems, yelling at neighbors. She would take a neighbor's bike and put it in another neighbor's yard. Just, I mean, you, you could tell this lady's jelly done slid off her biscuit a while ago. Okay. And so she had done a bunch of uh, bike relocations, I guess. And, <laughs> and in the neighborhood. And so we had like four people who are like this lady's. And so we had to go talk to her. And it was one of those doors where the the first door, like a, it's a storm door, but it's both panes are glass. So the top and bottom are both glass and there's a, a wood door behind it. And so we go to talk to her to see what's going on. Like, why are you relocating bikes? Like, where is this coming from? What's going on? And she answers the door and starts yelling at us. And then she kind of squirrels around the corner and we have our flashlights because it's graveyard shift again middle of the night and she comes back with nothing but the sword of Godric Gryffindor, mm. uh, an exact replica from Harry Potter, 
the sword of Godric Gryffindor. I'll take your word for it. I don't know what that is. Are you kidding me right now? I never now? read the books or watched the show. You have small children and you have never seen nor read Harry Potter. My wife reads them the books and they've all watched the shows. I've Holy watched. shit. So the replica, it's not... So don't don't picture like a, a normal sized... It's not like a broadsword. Sword in your hand. It's a wizard sword. It's probably like... It's probably, I would say, two to three feet. be like two, maybe two and a half feet long. It's... Kind of slender. It's like a replica. You know, it's okay. one of those you you would order out of a shitty catalog. Sure. And it, I mean, the minute you like, you couldn't really chop things with it. But I mean, it was pointy. It could kill you. It's like a sword that Bilbo Baggins would use. Something like that. Bilbo yeah. Baggins would use that. Okay. All right. And so she because wizards fight with magic, not swords. Yeah. Well, Godric, Godric Gryffindor was a wizard, and he had a damn sword. And so she pops out and she comes to the door and she starts so that the wooden door is open. It's just that storm door. And she's walking to it and I've, I've got my weapon out now and I'm pointing it and I'm like, please drop the wizard sword because I did not want to have to shoot this lady over a Harry Potter sword. Yeah. And a replica Harry a replica. Potter sword. And it was, and plus, I don't know, maybe she was a witch and she could have dispelled. Hopefully she didn't have I magic, don't know. that's what I'm saying. Dude, I don't it know. could have been, it could have been Goddard Gryffindor's like great, great, great it granddaughter. It could have been. And so I had here no idea. you are idea. as a muggle just out here smoking wizards. And, and I'm, I'm now declaring war on the wizarding world, but <laughs> that pucker factor sets in quick and you're like, shit, and you get that tunnel that, vision. So that was the first time you drew your gun? Yeah, I, I hadn't. I think I had been on, on on my own for like a couple weeks, maybe. Really. And I'm sitting in this lady's walk, and, and you know, in your mind, you they kind of teach you like you, you've got to have like that threshold. That threshold, like across this line. If you come across this line, then it's game on. Right. Because any any you know any closer, then I'm I could die. Yeah. And so. I've got that line, and I'm just like, I'm giving her commands. Please drop the wizard sword. <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. You said the wizard the sword? The wizard sword. Oh, my gosh. And all, all I could focus Sorry, on. Sorry, can I say this here? To have, to I'll have allow the, it. To have the wherewithal to say, please drop the wizard sword, that says something right there, bro. Because most guys would be shitting themselves saying, just drop the weapon. So anyway, sorry. I may have skid marked a little. Yeah, probably. I probably did. Uh, but all I could focus on was the bejeweled hilt. And the pretty jewels in this sword, because you get that tunnel vision. And I was like, I'm going to smoke this lady. And they're going to be like, what did she have? And I'm going to be like, the wizard sword. But no, that it's, it is kind of a, there is a pucker, a pucker factor that comes in when you're like, okay. Sure. Now yeah. it's for real. Oh yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah. And so, I mean, CD case, wizard sword, what happened? <laughs> so you? what happened then? Uh, she ended up dropping it, uh, coming outside, talking to us. Like I said, she ended up being, uh, you know, she was she was outside of her mind, and ended up having to pink sheet her because she. And, and, and What's a pink sheet? So that's an involuntarily when someone does not want mental help uh, from a hospital, and you force them because they are a, a danger to themselves or others. Yeah, an involuntary commitment. At an a involuntary hospital. commitment at a hospital for a mental case. For a mental for mental health evaluation. And so, for those of you who don't know, um, so yeah, she ended up because she, I think she made it known that the, the relocating of bikes was just the beginning of her reign of terror. <laughs> yeah. And I think the sword, I think the sword was coming in part two. Sure. And I know she was going to cast some spells and shit. And so I, we had to put a stop. You so, did. Absolutely. 
you probably that that was my first experience and i was like plan. dodged dodged a lightning bolt or a cruciatus curse i don't know i dodged something that day though i dodged something the first of my career it's kind of a little wonky because uh i i did the whole you know the academy which is you know, six months ish and then you got your fto which is three to four months ish mm-hmm. and then you come out on your own and uh, I was on my own for a couple months, and then I got hit by that bus, and I was out for almost a year. So anyway, um, I was out. It took me almost a year to recover. So then when I came back, I was I was like a brand freaking new guy. I had like a couple months on my own, and then I was out rehabbing from that bus. I mean, I was life flat. It was crazy, um, and I had a, I was out for almost a year. Then I came back, and I when I came back, they're just gonna stick me back in patrol, like I was back on my own again. I was like, dude, I don't remember how to be a cop. I was barely a cop when I freaking got hit. So I asked my sergeant, like, "You cool if uh, if if I ride with somebody for maybe a week or two, just kind of get my feet wet again?" He said, "Yeah, that's fine." So for the first you know first couple of days, I was riding with another guy, just kind of two man in it, making sure that I understood what was going on, just kind of get my feet wet again. So. As, as I was riding, is with one of the guys from my academy class who I was riding with, Jeremy. So, not uh, me, not me, another. Uh, yeah, another, another Jeremy, not you, Jeremy, another Jeremy. So I was riding with this guy, cool guy, still works with the department, good dude. Um, but we're rolling along, and we get this call downtown to one of the hotels. Uh, we get there, so the ho- the the call was these people, these guests at this hotel had just gotten super drunk, just got wasted, and they were destroying the rooms in the hotels, and the hotels wanted them gone. They wanted them, who wants to come there? There's like tons of damaged property, so they wanted them arrested, obviously. So we get there, and there's this huge poly family that just destroyed these freaking rooms, dude. And uh, the biggest aggressor was this female. She had to be like 20, 21 years old. She was drunk off her ass, and they had like, this is when plasmas were still pretty new. You know, and they had plasmas in all the rooms because one of the nice hotels downtown. And she had smashed probably four or five plasmas. Those were like two, three grand at the time, you know. So she had smashed these plasmas, caused felonious damage inside of these apart inside of these uh, rentals. These uh, felonious means felony. Yeah, sorry, felony property damage, which means thousands of dollars. So Mi- she's going to go many, to jail many for monies. a felony. Many, many monies. So uh, we we hook her up. Um, Decide hook, her, hook her up. Sorry. Yeah, hook her up. Means we, we put handcuffs on her. We put her in the okay. back of the squad car and decide we're going to take her to jail. So we, you know, we, we put her in the car. We're going to drive her to jail. I'm sitting passenger seat. Jeremy's in the front. Not this Jeremy, another Jeremy. He's in the, he's driving. And we got this girl. She's in the back. And she, like I said, she's drunk, but uh, she's screaming at us, just calling us all sorts of names, saying how freaking ugly I am and stupid white boy and all this other stuff. I'm like, kind of just letting it roll off my back and whatever. And uh, as we're driving, you know, about halfway there, she just goes quiet. And uh, we're like, that's kind of odd, you know, whatever. So <laughs> we get to the jail and it's wintertime. So there's snow on the ground, slushy inside the jail parking lot. And I go get out the car and I open the door. And I, as I open the door, she falls out like onto the slushy ground. And she lands, I see a bunch of like shit like come out of her mouth and it's freaking it's ibuprofens i see him on the ground now a bunch of ibuprofens and i'm like what the heck and i go to pick her up and she's kind of not really moving very much and i look at jeremy and i'm like dude 
like, did you have something back here? You know, he said, oh, yeah. Oh, crap. Because I'm riding with him. He'd taken his stash that he usually keeps on the front seat with him. Well, he'd put it in the back and he'd forgotten that he'd put it back there. And what he is just like the stuff that he needs during the night or whatever. Apparently, he had one of those huge Costco bottles of ibuprofen back there. That's like 500 tablets or 1,000 tablets or whatever. She had downed like three quarters of the bottle. Holy shit. So she had taken probably three or 400 pills of ibuprofen and just guzzled them down and eaten them. Hold on. That is a feat because, I mean, obviously she didn't have a beverage. (laughs) And trying to guzzle down multiple, like that is impressive. Yeah. Also, for those listening, Costco is a sponsor. (laughs) <laughs> like, we got we legally, got paid legally we have to say that they are not a sponsor not a, i'm pretty sure they are <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, they're not. and here come the lawsuits oh my gosh all right so this, this chick falls and i'm like oh shit i'm thinking this is like my first maybe first or second day back after being on a hiatus for a year and we get this chick who ODs on our own pills in the back of the cop car. I'm thinking to myself, we are so screwed. We are so screwed. We let this chick OD on these freaking pills. And I'm sitting her up and I'm like, hey, hey, are you are you awake? Are you awake? She's like, I'm just leave me alone. I just want to die. I'm like, holy shit, you're, like, you're going to die, but not today and not tomorrow, but in like a couple years or whatever, when your freaking liver stops, yeah, you'll die. So we call the ambulance down. The ambulance comes down, and we're like, yeah, she freaking OD'd on pills. I said, oh, really? She's OD'd on pills? How many pills? And Jeremy picks up his container, looks at it, eh, three or four hundred. <laughs> they're like, they're your pills? Yeah, she got to them in the back seat. And they're like... The ambulance text, like, we're brand ass new guys, right? They look at us and shake their heads at us, like, are you freaking kidding me? And we're like, yeah. They're like, okay, what do you guys want to do? Like, can you go take her to the hospital and eval her? Yeah, yeah, we'll take her. So we're sitting there. I'm like, shit, dude, what are we going to do? And Jeremy busts out his freaking ticket book and tickets her for freaking destruction of property <laughs> and just like hangs the, the the paper on her and sends her on her way. That was pretty much it. But I was like, I thought, you know, some ramifications are going to come down the road, but you know, obviously it wasn't really our fault. She, we didn't make her take those pills or anything like that, but that was a, a pucker factor of mine. Pretty dumbass move on our part. They're like, look, this guy just got hit by a bus. He just got back. <laughs> Give him a freebie. He's kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's run, he's running about seventy percent. Okay, let let him get, go easy. He's running no, about 70%. it's like forty percent, dude. About forty percent. <laughs> it is it is interesting the the different types of uh, characters that you run into on whatever substances they have ingested that day. Um, one of the ones that made me laugh uh, was actually a pretty good dig at me. At my expense. The joke was at my expense. Oh, really? And so I was working uh, in detectives, and we were um, during one of the major, I think it was the 4th of July, there's a, a big park. How long had you been on it this time? Oh, 10 years. I mean, it's been a while. Right. I, 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 were you working sex crimes? I was doing, it was the summertime, and so I think so. And so, yeah, July, obviously, summertime. And so, you know, one of the bigger parks here in our city they'll get together and do a fireworks show. So people come and camp out and hang out. And so our job was, you know, we would drive around on golf carts and help rescue kids who've gotten separated from their families. And we had a, 
like a mobile command center that we could take them and get them water and, you know, if they need to be checked out, whatever. We had resources available, but people would just call in and say, hey, I think this kid needs whatever, and this kid needs help, they're over here. So I was with an officer who is a fairly handsome officer. Um, is that Corey? Yeah. Okay. And so uh, we... It's funny that I knew that. Because I think Corey's handsome. His, rep, his reputation has or proceeded. Or I know you hang out with freaking Corey. Yeah. We go, they call him that this old, this elderly lady, and I say elderly, mid to late 50s, is just tanked. And she had a kid, and now the kid's gone. And some dude has gone with the kid. They don't know, but it was weird, so they called in. She's over here, and we go there and kind of, we get on our golf cart, and we drive over there and find her. And as we're starting to, like get her to come to like hey wake up where is the child because there was a child now there's not and so she's kind of coming around and in her blurry she i mean we she had a backpack that was open and you could see the the liquor store bottom shelf vodka pop off or bartons whatever she had chosen the taka was gone and so she had downed a bunch of vodka and the one that comes in the plastic bottles. Yeah. The one that, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. it's not breaking. You drop that thing. They don't want you to lose that shitty vodka, which is weird. You drop a bottle of Grey Goose, you're out 70 bucks. You drop a bottle of Taco, that shit ain't going anywhere. No, nowhere. So. You're better off. And Grey Goose is a sponsor as well. <laughs> so we we start to get her to come around and, route, you know, hey, and she finally comes to and she looks at Corey and she goes, oh, my God, you're so good looking. You look at Ryan Reynolds. You look like Ryan Reynolds. And then she looks at me and she goes, you look like Gary Busey. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean. You look like Gary Busey? I love You got like, them horse teeth, bro. Gary Busey. They're one of the bad guys and one of the first lethal weapons. Yeah, I know. Mr. Joshua. I know who I'll Gary take Busey it. is. I'll Gary take Gary Busey. Freaking Busey. So Corey looks like Ryan Reynolds. And he was like Ryan Gary Reynolds Busey. I, is Ryan Reynolds on like steroids at the time? Yes. No kidding. But hey, Corey's Ryan, a Re- very yeah. Ryan Reynolds, big guy. Yeah, yeah. Corey's like two times bigger than freaking Ryan Reynolds. But I'm Gary Busey, and he's right. So, and I and I and could, you're like two times bigger than Gary Busey. Maybe four. But Maybe I four. couldn't. I couldn't be smirched. I was like, you know what, drunk lady, that's a good dig. That's a good, good, dig. good on you. Did you tell her what she looked like? Like, hey, thanks. You look, look like, like you look like Golem. <laughs> you look like Amy Winehouse. <laughs> Amy Winehouse now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Dead. And I said, I said, look here, Smeagol. <laughs> look here, Smeagol. Where is the precious? Where is your precious? Thank you. That's my goal. And for those of you who are super curious, turns out like the dad had left. It was like his sister. And so the kid was fine. And the kid was safe. And, you know, the drunk lady wasn't even supposed to, you know, she wasn't really a factor in it. But so it's interesting the the chemical dependence that you run into, you know, subjects of modern chemistry, as it were. So that was a, a long-winded intro into our, you know, career, our, our, our beginnings as police officers. I think that was also to kind of highlight that we're human. I mean, we're, we make mistakes too. We're just, we're just normal people out here. But again, that, um, that was, I think that was a good intro into, into what, for me at least, what becoming a police officer 
was like for me. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, it's fun to tell some of these stories. Uh, like I said, these stories, some of the stories you guys told tonight, it sparked some memories of the, some of the stories. Like I hadn't thought of some of those stories in years. So it's uh, it's fun to kind of tell these stories to all your listeners out there. Um, also, I should have started the, the cast off with this, but you can find us at domesticatedsavages.com. We've got our own website up there. We're going to be putting our podcasts uh, up onto the website. I'm going to try to blast them out there to all of the major resources such as Spotify, iTunes, um, all the stuff on like Amazon. They've got podcasts on there now. So any major resource that has podcasts, we're going to put that out there. And then hopefully here coming soon, we're going to have like a dedicated studio set up and we are also going to do some videos along like the podcast will have podcast audio, but also have video along with it. And so you'll be able to find us on YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel for that as well. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, both those domesticated savages. Um, if you search us on Instagram or Facebook and Any also, other social media platforms that we are. Yeah. Um, we were on Twitter, uh, domesticated savages as well. Uh, we're tweeting. Uh, I haven't tweeted anything yet. Tweet, tweet. But best way to find us at our website, domesticatedsavages.com, dedicated resource there. Um, along with our, our website, what we want this to do also, we want this to be interactive. I want to be able to have you guys get up onto the website. We've got a forum on there. You guys can shoot us messages on the website, post anything you want, post questions, post, you know, what kind of stories you want to hear from us, anything you want. Um, you guys can ask it. We will answer. Uh, like I said, we've got that, that site dedicated. You can look us up there. We've got some merch out there, some Domesticated Savages merch. I've got uh, some coupon codes on there for you as well. So uh, I think the coupon code right now is SAVAGE, 20% off for the Christmas holiday coming up. So uh, it's pretty some pretty sweet merch. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. We're bringing this to you guys so you can hear these fun stories from us. Like I said, if you guys have any suggestions, comments, questions, whatever it is, Shoot it out to us, domesticatedsavages.com. Best way to reach us. Stay savage, Savage Squad.